Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. Hey, November 3rd, here at the Mile High Church campus or online, you can see Dan Harris, author of 10% Happier and host of the 10% Happier podcast. He's talking mindfulness, meditation, self-care, and more. Learn more about this event and others at milehighchurch.org. So a Sufi story tells us that there were four towns that were experiencing a great famine, and each town had a bag of seeds. The first town had no idea what to do with the seeds and starved. The second town knew what to do with the seeds, but for some reason didn't plant them, and they starved. Then there was a town where someone knew just what to do with the seeds, but proclaimed that he would only teach people how to use them if they made him ruler. So the people ate, but they were ruled. Lastly, in the last town, there was someone who knew how to use the seeds, taught others how to use them, and everyone lived in prosperity, happiness, and freedom. You know, seeds are probably the greatest symbol we have for faith, for this principle we call faith. And there are many people who live their lives totally unconscious of what the principle of faith is and never use it. There are those of us who know that it exists, but don't use it. There are those who confuse ourselves as the power instead of a power greater than us and misuse it. And then there are those of us who realize that this principle of faith is a gift from God that each and every one of us can use to create for ourselves and for the world prosperity and happiness and freedom. I love in the narrative of the story of Jesus this interesting thing where it's not just Jesus who performs healings, It's those who have faith. Those who have faith. There's an older woman and she's been sick for seven years. She may even be living on the streets. And Jesus is passing through a large crowd and she says to herself, if I could just touch a piece of his clothing, I know that I would be healed. And she does so and she experiences healing and Jesus can feel the power of her faith. He he turns around to find her. A centurion, a Roman soldier, seeks out Jesus, someone who would not have been seen as a hero uh, for people who were being shared this story. And he asks Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus offers to go to his home, and the centurion responds, "Um, if you just say the word, Lord, it will be done. And Jesus marvels at his faith and commends to him as being the, the person with the greatest faith in all of Israel and says, as you have believed, so it will be done unto you. In the Gospels as well, we get this story of Jesus doing healings in the synagogue. And there's a couple people in the back row somewhere going, hey, ain't that Joseph and Mary's kid? Who's this guy think he is? And, and it spreads. And even Jesus himself cannot perform miracles that day. Faith is this incredible principle. When I say it's a principle, I mean that it has no opposite. 
Some would say that fear is the opposite of faith, but our founder, Ernest Holmes, tells us it's just the opposite use of faith. And this thing that we call the science of mind, if it is based on any idea or quote or inspiration out there, it's Jesus' statement to the centurion, as you have believed, so it will be done unto you. Ernest Holmes would say, it is done unto you as you believe. One way to interpret that is if you believe something with 100% conviction, you will bring that forth. But I want to invite us into an even perhaps deeper understanding that another way this statement can be taken is that it is done unto you as you believe in a divine presence. As you believe in a divine presence, it will be done unto you. As you believe in a creative mind that is seeking your highest and best through you in your life, it will be done unto you. As you believe in the virtues of happiness and prosperity and freedom, they will be done unto you. For me, faith isn't getting what I want. It's ever opening and widening myself to the incredible demonstrations of a creative universe. The incredible demonstrations of a creative universe. I remember it was 1984, Christmas Day, and what I wanted more than anything was a black big wheel. Look at that amazing piece of toy technology right there. And so it's Christmas, and my grandmother got me a big wheel, but it was a red one. I wanted Knight Raider, I got Dukes of Hazard. And what did I do? I sobbed uncontrollably. I threw the biggest temper tantrum you ever saw. I wanted a black one. I wanted a black one. And I'm still embarrassed when I think about it today, even though I was four years old. Not because I don't sympathize with that young boy. It's that I'm the exact same way now. (laughs) Maybe you are too. You don't get quite what you want so exactly. And I've gotten better about hiding it. But I am crying and complaining and so upset I wanted a black one. What I invite us to ask ourselves today is, is is faith about getting what you want? Or is faith about trusting in what you get? Is faith about really participating in this idea that there is a divine possibility out there that not only wants to bring you what you want, but can bring you even so much more than that. If you are willing to have the courage to live the spiritual adventure of co-creating your life with a divine mind. A great Mormon spiritual teacher, Jeffrey R. Holland, said, what was once a tiny seed of belief for me has grown into the tree of life. So if your faith is a little tested in this or any season, I invite you to lean on mine. Hope on, journey on, Honestly acknowledge your questions and your concerns, but first and forever fan the flame of your faith because all things are possible to them that believe. 
I'd like to share with you this morning some faith is's, some aspects of faith that when we put them together give us a whole perspective on what the principle of faith really is and how we can use it to live thriving lives. The first faith is, is that faith is possibility consciousness. Faith is possibility consciousness. It's that ability to know that in God all things are possible. That in this universe that we all find ourselves in somehow by some miracle, that there's a magic taking place that we're a part of and that wants to work through us. Probably the most famous symbol of faith is the mustard seed. And Jesus shares the following parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is smaller than all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in its branches. What I love most about the symbol of the mustard seed and the way Jesus explains it as a symbol for faith is that you don't have to have full 100% conviction in every fiber of your being to practice a meaningful faith. You just need a little bit. You just need the tiniest, eensy, weensy, itsy, bitsy amount of faith. You thought I was going to go to the bikini song, didn't you? (laughs) That's all you need is that little mustard seed-sized faith that has 100% conviction to this idea, if it is done unto you as you believe, that there is a divine presence in your life. Do you have that faith? Just that tiniest part of you that knows there's a power for good in the universe greater than you are that you can use and can use you. That you are love worthy. That you are life worthy. That there is a power in this universe that will see you thriving. We identify even this littlest, smallest, tiniest mustard seed sized faith within us and if we choose to live from it That's the key. If we choose to live from it the best we can, not from our old stories, not from someone else's judgment about who we are, not from our sense of know-it-allness, not from our crabbiness, not from our anxiety or worry, but from this little, insy bit of faith. It will grow like wildflower in your life, and it will become the most visible thing there is. There is no more powerful principle than the principle of faith via possibility consciousness. When we choose to live from it, we stop repudiating and denying what is possible in our lives and start to be a presence for it to come forward in magnificent ways. Faith is possibility consciousness. Faith is also courageous living. Faith is courageous living, and I mean courage in the original sense of the word um, heart. Courageous living means living from heart. 
So many of us, especially like me, who love to live under the illusion that I am right, we live from our head, which means we live from what we think we know. And it's always hard for someone like me to stomach the understanding that what I don't know is always much greater than what I do know. That I experience life through my own knowing, but I really have my way in being in the midst of the unknown. To live with heart is to acknowledge the beautiful mysteries of life. It is to embrace the unknown, not as dark and scary, but magical and powerful and creative. To live from heart is to live in trust that there is indeed a creative power that we engage, have a rapport with, and co-create with. Richard Feynman, the great physicist, said of science, statements of science are not of what is true and what is not true, but statements of what is known to different degrees of certainty. I'm not saying knowing is a bad thing. We should use every tool and resource at our disposal disposal to know and understand our lives and the universe. But we live in the unknown also, and that's where the magic is. Joseph Campbell said, a little advice was given to a young Native American. The time will come when you will reach a great chasm. Jump. It is not as far as you think. Brendan Behan, the great Irish author and poet, said, Our fears are paper tissue thin, and a single courageous act would help us walk right through them. Kurt Vonnegut, the great American author, said, We're all just falling off cliffs and growing wings on our way down. That magic of living with courage, of embodying your authentic truth, and showing up to your life, is how it happens, is how that creative spark gets going and provides you hopefully just what you want, but even more. You know, this idea of faith and getting just what we want, when it comes to material things, we we can do that. I can take my red big wheel and take it back to the store and get a black one. But I don't think life works that way. I don't think relationships work that way. I don't know if career always works that way. I don't know if everyday life works that way. If life was a restaurant, faith for me wouldn't be coming in and ordering exactly what I want and making sure it comes to all my specific specifications. For me, it's going into the restaurant and sharing with the incredible chef what I think I want, what I like, and what I dislike to share the kind of experience that I want to have of the meal and the food, and then trusting that the chef may know a little bit better than I do about how to cook and can provide for me a meal to and even beyond my expectations of what I can experience in this thing called life. Life is possibility consciousness. Life is living courageously. Faith, (laughs) faith is also sacred compassion. Faith is sacred compassion. 
we don't usually equate those two terms, faith and compassion. But for me, the times in life that require the greatest faith are our times of sorrow, are our times of suffering, are our times of loss or even indifference. Struggling is not a sign that you lack faith. Sorrow is not a sign that you lack faith. Your faith is how you treat yourself when you're in sorrow. Your faith is how you treat yourself when you're at loss. We're talking about the mustard seed today, but in the Hindu tradition, there's something called the red raksh seed. I'm holding it up right here. There are these beautiful trees. They're all over, but they're especially in, in India. And they produce the, this blue, inedible kind of fruit. And at the center is the Radraksh seed. And they're a symbol for many Hindus of grace and of compassion. And there are many legends, but one goes like this, that Shiva, the great Hindu god, was walking the land and encountered a man who was in great suffering, who was in great sorrow, like some of us might be here today, just, just struggling, oh, I'm getting divorced. Ah, I'm separated from my kids, I want to see them more. Ah, I hate my job. Ah, I'm becoming my father. Oh, I am not who I want to be. I am not who I was made to become. And Shiva can see this man suffering, but, but Shiva's a god. <laughs> and so Shiva can see um, this man's soul on that wheel of samsara, that endless cycle of birth and death, and can see this man suffering in all of his incarnations, past and future. And you would think Shiva, being a great god, could just touch this man's heart and heal his soul that he could do something to fix his problems. But what does Shiva do? Shiva weeps. Shiva weeps tears of grace, of compassion. And those tears fill the ground, and that is the myth of how we get these trees that create um, the Radraksh seed. And the pragmatic part of that story for me is when you are struggling... When you are in sorrow, how do you treat yourself? And what would it mean if every time you were struggling, you created for yourself a sanctuary of compassion? To love yourself, to be present, to not blame yourself, but to hold yourself in that sacred knowing, not only that you are capable, but that you are deeply loved and a new choice is already before you. Faith is possibility consciousness. Faith is courageous living. Faith is sacred compassion. And lastly, faith is acceptance of what is. Faith is acceptance of what is. That may sound a little contradictory too. What I mean, or what I don't mean, is that faith is accepting what is to come. We always want to retain and cultivate that possibility consciousness. But sometimes faith is the willingness to accept what is. I remember in my early 20s going through a, a breakup and uh, I had fun for a month and then I was miserable for two years. 
I had a really hard time recovering from the breakup. And, and you know sometimes who uh, a breakup is hardest on? Your friends. Because they have to listen to you talk about it and complain about it all the time. <laughs> and I remember I was having beer with a friend. I'm sure I was talking about it. And my friend put down his drink and he said, Josh, it sounds like you did the best you could. And to this day, I don't know if he was giving me encouragement or just encouraging me to shut up. Uh, Maybe it was both. But I had never stopped to even contemplate that I had done the best that I could. And it was really the beginning of healing from that relationship for me. To recognize that when we hit a brick wall, when you don't get what you want, it's not a sign that there's something wrong with your faith. It's that calling to embody it to a greater degree. To stop and say, did I do the best I could? (sighs) Yes. It's not doing our best that we should have some guilt and some responsibility to take around that. But when we're living the best that we can, that's when we can trust that that principle of faith is operating us, operating for us, to attract us to and to bring to us our highest and best good. The mustard seed is most famously a parable used by Jesus, but it's also one that was used by the Buddha. And there's a Buddhist story about a mother who has tragically lost her son to sickness. And in her immense grief, there's this desire to not accept his death to do everything she can to try to bring him back to life. And she's heard of the Buddha, and so she goes to speak with him and and begs him to, if he can, to bring her son back to life. And the Buddha, having great compassion for her loss, but also sensing her deep wisdom, tells her that perhaps I can bring your son back to life if you can go to a house and bring me some mustard seed from a family that has not been touched by death. So she takes this challenge, and for years, she goes from town to town, to house to house, until she fully realizes what the Buddha is telling her, that there's no such thing as a house or a family that has not been touched by loss. And in this realization, she achieves an enlightenment of her own and becomes one of the Buddha's greatest and most devoted devotees. This has been an adventure in faith this year. And sometimes we may pause and say, why do we talk about all this interfaith stuff here? What's this all about? And the first answer is that we believe in this golden thread, that there is similar wisdom in all of these faiths. But the real answer for me is that we love wisdom. We love wisdom, and by exploring these different faiths, and hopefully you've noticed it today, we've explored faith through many different religious points of view. It can give us a fuller picture. Not contrary, but helping us to appreciate the many layers of these deep spiritual concepts we explore every week together. Do you have your faith? Are you using it for your good or for your ill? And are you willing to embrace it in an even more profound way? Make sure that you're not living your life unaware of this principle of faith. 
Make sure you're not living your life aware of this principle of faith, but not using it. Make sure you don't confuse who you think you are as a master of faith so that you somehow use it to manipulate or use other people. Identify that faith, that principle of faith, as the greatest gift of God to you and to all people. And when you use it with clarity, when you use it with trust, when you use it with anticipation and excitement, it will begin to grow and expand in your life so that each of us can live the life we were meant to in prosperity, in happiness, and in liberty. Taking that into prayer, I invite any of our prayer practitioners who choose to stand with us. I know we usually pray with our eyes closed, but take a look at these incredible prayer practitioners as a visible symbol, as a visible symbol of that invisible faith that is operating in each of our lives. Our practitioners say yes to being physical symbols of a faith that is operating for our healing, for our forgiveness, for our abundance, for our peace and clarity of mind, for a sense of direction. Again, moving to that mustard seed-sized faith, bringing it forward out from whatever it may be buried under. We allow it to grow, to be watered and nurtured by living from it purposefully, authentically, intimately, with an ever-expanding willingness to receive the good of this life, not just overall, but moment by moment. I give thanks for this prayerful consciousness where we direct faith, not with force, but with an ever-expanding willingness to grow, to be uplifted by its magic, by its principle, by God's grace. We let it be, we let it become, and so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.